Welcome to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. Liberty Moms are part of the Loving Liberty Network, and we are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to protecting your home, your children, and your communities. And today, I'm honored to have two Liberty Moms join me. Uh, They are really in the thick of the fight to make sure that our elections are honest and fair and the way the people are voting is actually reflected in the outcomes and so we've had a lot of um, election questioning done since November of 2020 and you know you want to investigate elections no matter who wins at the top of the ballot And because there's many communities, there are many state issues, there are many local issues that can um, cause problems if we're not looking at the whole entire ballot and not just focusing on one race. And so I know um, my guests today are Jennifer Orton and Sophie Anderson, and they are focused on election integrity up and down the ballot, right? Absolutely. Yes, it's it's the most important thing. It, it is, and it's it's just so naive to think that this is just about one race. It's right. it's very very naive, and it's it's kind of condescending. I I'm just going to tell you before you ladies jumped on out of town, and I could not I could not access the committee hearing that was held on October twentieth. And so I wanted to just go ahead and listen a little bit. I was in Egypt, and the Egyptian government, when I tried to access le.utah.gov, it, it blocked me. And it said it was the government of Egypt that was blocking me from accessing that, which I thought oh was really interesting. Uh, they, did not not want me, they did not want me connecting with any other outside government while I was in Egypt. So I, I couldn't hear or know what was going on. And um, I just heard the lieutenant governor just, just you know, it's basically trust me because we're good people, right? Trust me because we're good people. And I don't know, I read scriptures and God has told me to not trust the arm of the flesh. And, uh, and so it, it was just kind of condescending to think that, that she was really making this about Trump in, in her committee hearings and um, and the elections happen and you know it's no big deal if you lose because you just run again and um, so anyway I know that you guys are way beyond that this is not about one election or one person it's about the whole entire process because it affects every single individual in the entire state of Utah and it happens on a regular basis our election process so I'm thinking I lost my guess. So I'm 
I'm hoping that they're going to come back on. So I'm going to keep talking here for just a minute. Um, That committee hearing was held on October 20th, and it was designed to um, suggest some changes that that should possibly happen here in Utah. And during that committee hearing, Representative Steve Christiansen um, at that time was sharing information about a Rasmussen poll that was held nationwide, as well as a local poll here in Utah. There are a lot of people in America and a lot of people in Utah that do not have confidence in our election process. And if that's the case, that needs to be addressed. That needs to be cleared up because if you don't have confidence in your vote, pretty soon you don't care if you vote at all because you feel like it doesn't matter how you vote. It's predetermined who is going to win. And so it's extremely important that um, the most fundamental right that we have, which is choosing our representatives, is safe and secure and it's verified And that can only happen when you inspect the election process with a forensic audit. And so. I am so sorry about that. Well, you know, I was able to fill in. So I've just been talking about the importance of a forensic audit. And I was referencing the um, October 20th hearing. And I really want people to go back and listen to that. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. But these ladies. Jennifer and Sophie, they have, um, Jennifer Orton and Sophie Anderson, they have been doing a lot of background work on pulling up um, grandma requests. And grandma requests, for those that don't know what those are, is that is a government, oh, I looked it up, Government Records Access and Management Act, which, what explain in lay terms, Jennifer, what a grandma request is, what you're doing. Those are just public record requests. I mean, as the public, we don't have a lot of options and tools to use for transparency to what our public officials are doing. Not every meeting is open to the public. Not every discussion is. So the grandmas are really important to let us know what communications they're having and what they're doing, what they're saying, and what they really think about things um, is our most important and only tool, really, at this point. So those are crucial. It is. They're not called sunshine laws for no reason. <laughs> they, yeah. they shed a lot of light on what's going on in our different agencies, and um, they're, they're a powerful tool. Well, and you, you both of you and, and others have really dug deep and started looking at communication. You, you, you kind of focus on a communication between departments, government agencies, mm-hmm. individuals. And so um, that would look like emails, basically. You're looking at communication between, say, a county clerk and, and uh, the election um, officer, whoever at one point was Justin Lee um, until recently. And uh, yeah. so looking at things like this or even between the lieutenant governor's office, right? Because there are state right. And it's interesting, the grammar requests, um, since you just brought up Justin Lee, one of the things when we were at the October 20th meeting, there were two things that Sophie and I decided to tackle. Um, one that I talked about was integrity, not just in the election itself, the process, but in the people. Because if we don't have people who have integrity, 
running these things, auditing these things, asking the questions and doing their due diligence. The election process itself doesn't doesn't matter either, right? And so I made a comment um, to the, the committee about that very subject and brought up something interesting we learned on grandma, and that was that Justin Lee, a, a gentleman, we won't give his name, we hope he's okay, um, had sent a message to some, a county clerk in Utah saying, hey, you know, I work with Clear Votes. We are looking at this election integrity stuff here in Utah, and there's pretty good evidence that there might be pre-programming on these machines. Now, what's important about this email, it was written in March of 2020, which happens to be the exact same week as the primary election. And that primary election was interesting because it was RCV, ranked choice voting, and it's very difficult to audit. So he's trying to alert this clerk and others that there was pre-programming on these Dominion machines way back at the time of the primaries here in Utah. In response, Justin Lee, who is the director of elections at the time, replies back along with other county clerks and gets the FBI on him. The Department of Homeland Security, and they did, yes. yeah, Department of Public Safety, they went after him. They were Googling his personal whereabouts, his situations, and I'm like, my goodness. Yeah, this is so, how people are treated when they ask questions about our election. Yeah, just, I just, yeah, I just want to ask and see if there is a problem or make you aware. And here's, here's what's interesting. I was in um, South Dakota at the cyber symposium and there was a county clerk. I can't remember which County she was from in Colorado who had gone in and taken forensic images of her voting machine in her County. And they could see where a program had been embedded in her machine that released all the security codes where anybody could have access to the machine. Okay. That forensic image captured that. And so they were programming it to allow, that machine had been programmed so that anybody, all the security devices were lifted and then anybody could access the machine remotely. Okay, not Mm -hmm. the modem with, you know, hardwire modem, which they're, they're claiming, oh, we don't have modems. Of course they don't, but it's done through wireless access. And they were able to... To reveal that, and so that means if that's on that particular machine, that can be on every other machine across the country. And and Utah, this is happening in Utah. This has happened in Utah. We have found so evidence. We, of we this. have evidence of in certain Utah counties, this has happened, where yeah, the power is given to not just the top election clerk official, but every employee in in the department. Yeah. Yes. Um, just really quickly, going back to that uh, October 20th meeting, um, I shared my public comment was focusing on our lieutenant governor's refusal to turn over the withheld and private voter rolls to the legislators that have requested them. And by law, she is to turn these over. I find it fascinating that today, just today, um, our lieutenant governor's um, uh, website um, page has miraculously changed since yesterday. And when it's addressed, um, 
the private voter roles and the role of the lieutenant governor and how she needs to turn those over, the language is now being changed on a whim. So basically what this is saying is that the lieutenant governor can decide to change the wording of a law and deny legislators these withheld voter rolls. So that's wow. That's today. That, that happened today. And in my in my October 20th comment, um, our, our lieutenant governor was in that meeting. She was about three seats away from me. It was funny to watch <laughs> her face when you were talking. Yeah. And, and before I gave my public comment, our lieutenant governor, um, she referenced how important it was to follow the law um, regarding our elections. And so I thought it was fascinating and felt compelled to share a comment on how and why is she not following our election laws and refusing to give these, these withheld and private voter rolls over to the legislators who by law have a right, have a right to them. And, um, it's funny just today, um, I received a grandma of a communication between one of our legislators and our lieutenant governor. Um, and in this communication, he very respectfully, civilly, and lawfully requested these um, these these voter rolls. And, back in July, right? And this was back in July. And she refused. She refused. And, and another point is, um, well, why is she refusing? <laughs> yeah, and, and she's breaking the law. She's not she's breaking the law. law. So she is, uh, what's that? Is that word called hypocrisy? A hypocrite? Like, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. That's do the as one. I say, not as I do. Right? Well, they yes. feel, and I tell you from reading a lot of these grammar requests, I do believe a lot of these people who are involved in, you know, more nefarious type of thing really feel invincible. They are, they don't seem to be afraid. They don't seem to feel and act like they can ever be prosecuted for this, which scares me at how deep this really must be running. It's true. For this many people to feel comfortable breaking the law so openly. It's true. Jen and I actually laugh daily that we feel like they never, ever intended or thought a bunch of moms would be on the hunt to hold these people accountable. And I think they're pretty mortified that we're not going away. Um, and we know how to ask questions. Yes. And, and that's really the key to everything is asking questions. It is. And, and we just got back from a fabulous meeting with our state's auditor. John Dougal. John Dougal. Um, he's excellent. He's excellent. And he, we, we're feeling pretty positive that he's going to help us um, get down to the bottom of some of the things that are happening. Jen, do you want to... Um, with Sherry Swenson and, and your little. <laughs> yeah. So a part of this grammar request, uh, one of the biggest stories that we have is with Sherry Swenson, who is the, you know, the Salt Lake County clerk who is also over elections. And I sent a request to her asking for about, I can't remember, 13 to 19 keywords, you know, Dominion, ESNS, um, fraud, affidavit, you know, mailbox, mail-in ballots, you know, drop boxes, things like that, typical election stuff. But the pattern seems to be that if you ask anything about the machines themselves, there's a premium. So Sophie's request 
was $1,600 for seven years worth of data and communications. My request came in at $35,000 for only a three-month period of time. And let us just, this is for communications between Justin Lee, Sherry Swenson. Oh, I'm sorry. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we're looking at Sherry Swenson. We're looking at Justin Lee and and Henderson and, and who these people are communicating with. So I had two requests, one for three months, one for four months. The four-month one also came back with a $35,000 bill. Now, is that just an arbitrary amount that they can get out? Or is it control? Is there a, 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 a poor forma that is used with grandma requests? By law, they're only allowed to bill according to the actual time spent. So what you're given originally is an estimate. Now, mm-hmm. what makes it different with the situation is that when I got those, I, I wrote back and I said, hey, you know, you want $70,000 from me. Um, not that we're opposed to fundraising for it. You know, it was not <laughs> to do that. Um, but how many emails can I expect? And this is, the, this is the part right here. They wrote back and said, we don't know. We haven't even run a report to know what we've got. Oh, they just attach that number without even knowing. Yeah. In other words, get off deck. We're going to make yeah. it if you can't afford it. So they're acting very um, guilty or like they're wanting to hide something. Yes, because we're talking about. They're promoting that we have the gold standard in safe and secure elections in Utah, but they're not acting like it. How come they're not acting like that? <laughs> well, they <laughs> not. No. Rhetorical question. I think they're just buying time from the mama bears to come get them. I think they know what's what's coming. Well, and so the the seventy thousand dollar problem, like I said, Sophie's was for seven years. Mine is only combined for seven months. And I asked the girl. I said, "Okay, we don't have any emails. How in the world did you come up with four hundred and eighty three hours to do this? Which is a very precise number." And this charge, which is billed, by the way, at a higher rate than they are legally allowed to do. And she said, well, we just look at the number of search terms and the number of days in your request. If you want to spend less money, just decrease the number of search terms, decrease the number of days. Well, that makes sense because, Sophie, if we do it and we calculate the number of search terms per day, hers was like 49 cents day for each term she used mine was $20 yeah I mean and that's that's huge and then they said it was a minimum charge so when I said well wait a minute what if when you actually run you don't find anything or you only find a fraction of what you're thinking you're gonna find and they said no that's a minimum it can only go up I'm like well but how do I go about getting a refund for $70,000 and they're like we don't have an answer to you question that's what it is take it or leave it so many words so then i thought well okay i'll just take your advice and i'll just do two words for two months and see what happens and i sent maybe i can't remember however many five or six of those requests in and those came back at seventeen thousand dollars so i'm like wait your own equation of wow. two times two day, two months just did not make sense at all 
So we're definitely over target with it. So at this point, when I have now $87,000 in my three grammar requests, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to like grandma my name. I want to see what they're saying about me and these grammar requests in the last six weeks. And the law encourages people who, um, agencies to give it for free to people if they are the subject of the record. Hmm. Right. So I'm like, okay, my name is, my last name is spelled uniquely. I'm, I'm not hard to narrow down in an email search, you know, when they're looking for these things. They came up with, just for that six-week period, almost 700 records with my name in it. Wow. They're talking. You are being talked about. And it's only the four people in the department, you know. Well, the three people plus their boss. I don't know if their boss is saying anything, but I, I just stuck her in there just in case. Almost 700 emails bag of nearly $10,000 when it should be free. So what, what can be done with um, stopping this abuse of uh, the, the grandma requests and holding them accountable? I mean, this is criminal. Well, it's extortion on the public. You're absolutely right. It is criminal. And that's why today with um, John Dougal was so important because we were able to outline all of we have the paper trail for all of this. We're not just saying these things. We have written communications from these people um, for everything we've told you, um, and we also have um, communications from other citizens who have given them to us, saying, "Wait, they only charged me two hundred dollars for my request." Exactly. Exactly. And what's thing is. I think I started submitting grammar requests for Sherry Swenson's office maybe around the 1st of June, and I did several, and it was 1600 1600 1600 No matter how much nope. information, it was $1,600. It didn't matter, and, and we've received some of those bundles, and they've been amazing. Explosive. They've been explosive. They've been absolutely explosive. But the minute that we, that Jen um, announced at the We Can Act conference that we're connected and we work together, the very next... And there, there was a county clerk in the audience, <laughs> just saying. A certain county clerk was in the audience during uh-huh. that. Um, the very next request uh, uh, response that I was for 20... Any thousand dollars. So, seeing the pattern, I don't know what to tell you. Don't be my friend. Yes, don't, don't be Jennifer. Yeah. It's it gets expensive hanging out with Jennifer, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, here's what's interesting: is over the period of time, because I believe the Grandma Bill went into effect um, right when I was running. I think it was back in 2010, and it was a huge. Um, Oh my gosh, there was a big backlash and because anyway, I just remember it was a big, big backlash on on that particular bill. But I doubt that there's been this many people trying to get the truth and the, the sunshine exposed on this big of an issue before that has allowed us to see that they're abusing the grandma laws. I don't think we've had that opportunity before. And um, we are, we're heading off to a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back after the short break. 
Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today, talking to two Liberty Moms, Jennifer Orton and Sophie Anderson, who have been doing some amazing work trying to expose the hidden, deep, dark secrets of what happens um, behind the election process and why it we're being stonewalled in not um, having a forensic audit here in Utah. I mean, they're claiming our Lieutenant Governor Henderson is claiming we're the gold standard, and yet they've never proven. They've never proven we're the gold standard. And you have to, the only way you can do that is with a forensic audit. And before the break that we just took, we were talking about the, the grandma requests and how they have been exploiting this way, the, the one way that the citizens have to keep our um, elected officials accountable and transparent is being um, circumvented by people who you would think wouldn't have anything to hide. What are they trying to hide? When they jack up the price for you to get information about the job that they're doing, it looks really suspicious. I, I just hate to say that. I mean, I know they're most likely great people, but why are they acting so guilty? Well, and it's not just the price they're jacking up. Um, they're also delaying, and that's really a huge tactic beyond price. For example, they have two weeks to respond to a grammar request by law, but they can claim extraneous circumstances and get another two weeks to even get your estimate to start the process. You are one month in right off the bat. And then you have to negotiate. And if you don't like the price that you gave, you have to appeal. But they have 30 days to respond to that appeal after you've submitted it. And they take all 30. And then they're going to give you the wrong answer. And then you have to appeal again. So some of the, we're going on four or five months of waiting to even get a request started. Well, and the listeners need to realize that there is a law in place. It's a, I believe it's a federal law that they're, they're required to keep election records for 22 months. And then they can expose, I mean, um, get rid of them. They can destroy them. And they are destroyed. And so that's why the only election right now that we can even think about researching and and auditing is the last one we just had you can't go back to 2018 you can't go back to 2016 you can only go back to 2020 and see they realize they can try to run that clock out because as soon as it gets into um september of two they can destroy all the records and you know we had a friend who grammed something and she was looking for things that were for 2020 and she was told in writing that we don't think these things exist anymore. And I'm like, you have to keep that. You can't. I mean, are we destroying records? And if we're destroying records, are we destroying votes? Like, I mean, where does it stop if you cross a line? You know, it almost, I, I mean, I hate to say this because um, it's too bad we have to micromanage, but it's almost as if we need to be passing some legislation that has some teeth in it so that if anybody involved in the election process does destroy or is found guilty of tampering, you know, any part of the election machine, ballots, anything, that there is actual criminal charges. 
involved in that, which means, oh, I accidentally threw away everything I didn't know. That's not going to fly anymore. Exactly. And like Jen just mumbled, it's treason. Um, It is. Absolutely. It is. And that's why today was so great. We had three legislators with us um, in that meeting. And we're, we're hopeful and optimistic that they're going to help us get some legislation passed that is not going to allow the treason to go unpunished. And we're going to need the public support, okay. when that, uh, hopefully, in January. We really are. Okay. This um, is our only and, tool, new weapon. And yeah. it shouldn't be a problem because if all of these people are honest, like Representative Snow was emphatic about, like one of his friends that he's totally vouching for, is totally honest, why are they worried about a bill that would just totally be something that they would be congruent with? They wouldn't have right. a problem with it because they're honest to begin with, right? But ex- exactly. Um, and it it's interesting because the, though there are grammar rule, uh, rules and laws and codes, um, we've discovered um, unfortunately, that there's nothing punitive to hold these people accountable. I I can make a request for some very valuable information, or Jen can, or anyone can. I mean, we would love for people to start gramming anything they're suspicious of. But, um, you know, and there's there's these delays, and there are these, um, you know, oh, well, you weren't specific enough, or um, it's going to take, oh, or, or listen to this one. Um, when I when I requested for Justin Lee and Sherry Swenson's um, communications with everything having to do with um, with elections, um, uh, th- I, w- I requested and then they responded and said, oh, I'm so sorry. We're having difficulty um, finding and uh, finding um, Justin Lee's emails. And I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. How, how, how are you having trouble yeah, email? Like, where could they have gone? And then the next thing I know is I'm, they're saying to me, there's gonna, it's going to take some time to get those. Um, and then the next thing I know is, hey, we actually found more than we ever anticipated. And so you're going to have to wait even longer for, for this request. Wow. So they... It, it, it kind of reminded me of the Clinton Hillary when they were trying to get her emails <laughs> and right. she had home and yeah. like she had all these excuses. Oh, it's just my personal. Stuff. It's not, you know. And so, I mean, if you're really upfront, you don't need excuses to cover something up. And that's okay. what it's, it's just there's an appearance that they are trying to cover something up. And if they have the gold standard of of free and fair elections, I don't get why they're doing that. Well, what, Chris, here's really, really interesting is uh, Deidre Henderson, our lieutenant governor, when we when those records were requested, it was said that there were no communications with her whatsoever on any of that election trail. Well, thank goodness, when digging through the stuff for Justin Lee, which was in the same packet, we found that they had failed to redact three different emails that had Deidre on them. In other words, they lied to us. They lied to us. They wow. And blacking it out. We have a joke among us, but we need shirts that say black lines matter because <laughs> are, I mean, we pay a lot for the ink that we're getting. 
ages, you know? <laughs> well, oh and my gosh. Fox has done the same thing. We talked about this with Mr. Dougal this morning in, in depth. Like we were, look, Governor Cox is saying, it, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I almost do a daily um, grandma request for Governor Cox um, because, I mean, he's making a lot of impactful decisions for Utah. So I want to know, I want some transparency on what's going on. And there are no records for Governor Cox. He is not performing government business on his email address. So no matter what he oh, worked wow. The answer is no. Yes. But, but. <laughs> you want to tell it? Or no, do go I ahead, tell? Sophie. Okay. Go. So um, I submitted a request um, for Governor Cox and a few other high profile people in Utah that are making decisions for our children and for us. And um they came back and responded that there were no records for Governor Cox, responsive for Governor Cox and these people. And so I said, I I wanted confirmation. So I wrote back and I said, so they never communicate. And this person wrote back, the records official for Governor Cox wrote back and said, there are no records responsive for this and they never communicate. Well, then one night when that just would not settle for me and I could not believe that, um, started looking through and just one person got, or someone got sloppy Yay. and did not redact one email. Mm. And there he was. There to prove he was. that he actually was using that email address and they are absolutely giving us nothing, nothing. from his account for wow. anything. Yes. That's yeah. breaking the law. Exactly. It is. And we shared Legal. that with Google this morning. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Wow. So he, it, that's, the, uh, that's his personal staff or that's the grandma fish. They're, they're protecting and not letting any. See, the thing is, they're not used to this level of citizen activism where the citizens have just like, where we're calling you out and we want to know information. We want some transparency. They're not used to that. They're used to us, you know, getting upset and protesting and, you know, um, calling his office and, and complaining. And then we just go about our lives and move on. You guys haven't done that. <laughs> so they've had to cover themselves. Yeah. Yes. And we just found out yesterday. I haven't confirmed it completely, but it was not denied in our meeting today when I brought it up that these grandma officers are usually appointed by the elected official. In other words, they're oh. bringing a person and their pay scale is, uh, what's the word, exponential yes. compared to voluminous, a, voluminous <laughs> compared wow. to state employees. I mean, I'm talking a, a grandma manager's making eat. Over six figures. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I see. I see something that needs to be addressed here because we need to have a public um, that needs to be an, an, a nonpartisan or somehow it's and they don't get to appoint that grandma person. Right. It exactly. has to be somebody that is there with the public or there's something. There's got to be some sort of a. Uh, a mechanism that allows a public person or someone that's not connected to that office. Right. Except we need, we have to conduct this without biases. That's what we're right. Saying. 
conflict of interest that we keep on seeing. You know, if you if you appeal, um, if you appeal a grandma request that they have denied, the per- so usually the person that you have to appeal to is the exact person you made the grandma request right. about. So we have to appeal yeah. to Sharon and that she won't give us her records to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's a two-month process. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. That would be, that's maddening. That is so frustrating. There, so that was brought up in day as well. Looking for that was brought up. Okay, good, 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 good. Because we're, oh, my goodness, we're seeing a lot of problems. And yet, and yet they want us to trust them. Just trust us because we're honest. We have the gold standard. We're, we're good people. Well, there's nothing we would ever do to hinder your outcome of the votes. We're going to cover ourselves and make sure that we're not transparent to you. So, Chris, you'll probably like this statistic. Uh, We, as a a group of us, looked up all the election bills since 2010 in Utah. There were 201 of them changing elections. Wow. And one of the ones that we came across, I'll let so explain it to you, but back in 2013, let me preface it by saying Spencer Cox was never elected originally to be the lieutenant governor. He was installed. He was imp- appointed when Greg right. Bell left. Now, right. Greg Bell was also appointed to be lieutenant governor as well in 2009. Okay. So we have Spencer Cox in October 2013 taking over the lieutenant governor job, which is over elections, among other things. And they're at the exact same time Spencer is put in. Sophie's going to tell you about um, 70025 in yes. 2013. Listen to this. Yes, and, and this one makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up. So, in 2013, there was a bill um, drafted, sponsored, and passed, and the title of it is um, Elections During a State of Emergency. Again, and, and, you know, COVID happened. Well, some people question whether it happened, but anyway, COVID (laughs) was announced, you know, not too long ago, but this bill was brought up in 2013. And some of the language in this bill includes hospitalized voters. Um, and what this bill does is it authorizes the lieutenant governor to run our elections and specifically to run their own election if they're running for governor. So, yes. Yeah, so let's oh, my goodness. Spencer comes in in 2013, right? When the law says, you know, unelected, right when the law says you can run your own election, eight years later, if there's a state of emergency and hospitalizations and voting, and he runs his own election through ranked choice voting, and again, we have a gentleman blowing the whistle saying, hey, there's there's pre-programming on these machines, and boom, FBI, Department of Homeland Security, you know, the guy just disappears. And and just to to us, you know, did you ever notice how um, Governor Cox was so adamant to declare state of emergencies over and over and over again? Because, and Herbert was as well, because this bill does not work for them unless we're under a state of emergency. Yep. Wow. So So that was Senate Bill 
0025 back yeah, in 2013. Yes. I was and, wondering and, why I could not figure out why he didn't resign as lieutenant governor when he ran for office. I could not understand that. Here's that's it. He didn't, have to. He didn't have to. He could go right on in. He, he wow. Get what he needed. Yeah. Well, and just to kind of go down the rabbit hole a little bit more with this, um, the two but legislators that um, sponsored this bill, they keep on coming up over and over again with election bills. Um, we have uh, a legis- Representative um, Nudson and Representative um, Craig Powell. Now, even more interesting <laughs> is now Craig Powell, I think after he kind of got his election fix, he has been appointed to be a judge. So now he's a fourth, fourth circuit, fourth circuit judge. Yep. That's kind of interesting. A little, a little bit alarming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, it is very alarming. And I know, I think Deidre Henderson has a few of those election bills. I think she was responsible for some of the piloting on same day voter registration or something like that. We'll look into that. Yeah, she's got she's got a few of those. See, those were bills. The election bills were always run by Democrats prior to 2010. And nothing ever happened with these bills. They come in. We want to do this. We want to change this. And then all of a sudden they switched tactics and had Republicans running these bills that created same day voter registration and um, changed all these deadlines and vote by mail and universal balloting. And Utah just jumped right on it, right out the gate. As soon as Republicans started sponsoring these bills, they started passing like crazy. Well, and now we've got six bills coming down the pike, this legislative session, and all these bills will just get us farther and farther election integrity. Yeah, they're, they're moving forward for sure. They're not stopping to address anything. It's like all systems go. We move ahead and make it more and more of a challenge for us to have what is really a free and fair election. Now, we've, I know we're starting to kind of wrap up a little bit. Is there anything we've got Liberty Moms that, you know, we've got a listener uh, base of people that are active. What is it that our, that we can do to help support you? What is it that we can do? The most important thing right now is email the attorney general and ask them, ask him to subpoena, and I can send you this text, Chris, but to subpoena the voter rolls from Lieutenant Governor Henderson and then second to get an injunction. Yes. And the, and the, the specific language on these voter rolls is the withheld and the private. These these voter rolls are the uh, missing piece to the puzzle for to, to just blow it out of the water with what went on with our elections. So in other words, um, please subpoena Lieutenant Governor Henderson for breaking the law by not providing full voter rolls as requested by legislators, including public and private withheld information for both the March and November 2020 elections. And then second, ask the governor, you can do uh, the lieutenant governor, attorney general, you can do it in the same email. Please start an injunction to stop the counties and state of Utah from destroying any public records, including voting or related materials from the 2020 elections. Okay. And that's huge. And please do that in email. 
Yeah. Okay. So email. Okay. And this, this, you know, Jen and I, I, I would like to say, I think we're working tirelessly. Uh, it feels, it definitely feels like we're working tirelessly. Um, to to expose um, the collusion, the corruption, the secret combinations. In my opinion, that's what it is. And so we are selling shirts, um, and all of the proceeds will go towards funding our grandma requests. And we are also Perfect. hosting, and we will give you a lot more information soon, Chris. On February fifth, it is going to be called Education Exposed, and you do not want to miss it. All these grandma requests, the bombs in them that we have been keeping secret for now, we will connect the dots for you and your listeners, and you will be floored at what's been happening in our Utah school system. Well, so that's on February 5th, and then how, how do they get these t-shirts? Where do they go to get the t-shirt? We, we will, um, it's, the, the company is called Where's Freedom? Um, uh, w e a r s and then freedom f r e e d o m. But we okay. can also send you individual links. We are working have one central place, like a online store, where you can get all of our shirts because it's not just one shirt; it's a varied, yeah, varied yeah, shirt. I, I saw some of them on November sixth at Great. different um, events that were posted that day. And we, so- we have a new one that says, "Let's go, Spencer." This says what? Let's go, Spencer. <laughs> it's awesome. We, oh, my gosh. My, my adjectives are awake and concerned. <laughs> yes. Forget yes. the pronouns. Yes. Exactly. Um, my adjectives are awake and concerned. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, oh all go straight to these grammar requests. And given that we have a $97,000 bill from Sherry Swenson, we could use the help. Exactly. And, and just really quick, the last thing maybe is as we uh, tighten up and, and get these bills that will help us hold people accountable and bring sunshine to what's going on um, in the future, we'll need parents, citizens, Utahns to just um, email, call, text, show up to, in support of these bills. And the, I would think that still based on what happened after the backlash after that committee hearing in October 20th is we still need to contact our state representatives and senator yes leadership uh Spence, or gosh Stewart as the senate president and Brad Wilson is the is the uh, speaker and let them know that we want a forensic audit for yes, sure for absolutely. sure and just really quick um the very best thing uh, the October 20th meeting was the very best thing that could have ever happened for election integrity in Utah. It shone a light on what's actually going on and the, um, the like, uh, resistance towards an audit. If you are so sure we're the gold standard and we are integritous and clear and transparent. Follow the law. Yeah, follow law in our elections. Then why are you refusing um, and so we actually had many legislators come over to the, to our side, yes, that, to our side. The public comment, oh. uh, we converted people that we did not think yes. were convertible. Yes. Okay. I wanted, I, that's what I was curious about because see, I was so in the dark and then I got back and just right when uh, representative Christiansen resigned and I just didn't know what what took place because some people were hearing for the first time what was really happening or what had happened. 
Yeah, it was that meeting was an a- absolute yeah. gift to us. Um, from and the people from from the people. Yeah, the people <laughs> um, did it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I, I had uh, in the first segment when when I lost you both for just a minute. I talked about the fact that it's really important to go back and listen. If they, I mean, we had a huge turnout. There was a lot of Utahns that were there, which is so important. But it's a, we need to go back and hear for those that couldn't be there. Back and listen because it's very revealing. So there's my there's my cue. We're we're heading out the door. Jennifer and Sophie, thank you so much. Is there any last thing you want to throw out? Um, Send them to utahfreedomcoalition.org. The the county-specific data for the elections, everything is up there. If they don't know where to work, up.